Sections twenty two to twenty four of How to Sing. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ruth Golding. How to Sing by Lily Lehman. Translated by Richard Aldrich. Section twenty two. The position of the mouth. Contraction of the muscles of speech. What must my sensations be with the muscles of speech? How shall I control them? The best position of the mouth, the means of securing the proper use of the muscles of speech and of the vocal organs, is established by pronouncing the vowel A, not too sharply, in the middle range of the voice, and trying to retain the position of the muscles after the sound has ceased. This cannot be done without a smiling position of the mouth, consequently with a strong contraction of the muscles of the mouth, tongue, and throat, which can be felt to be drawn up as far as the ears. In doing so, the tongue, as far as the tip, lies of a pretty nearly even height to the back. The soft palate soars, without arching, but rather somewhat depressed over it. In pronouncing the vowels A and E, the bright vowels, the full stream of the breath in the given position, can only partly pass between the tongue and the palate. The other part is forced, unless the larynx stands too high and can choke it off, above the palate into the nasal cavities, to seek its opportunity for resonance. The path for A and E above the palate is worthy of all attention, as a place for the overtones of the middle voice. If the soft palate in the lower middle tones is forced too far toward the hard palate, the covered tones are without vibrancy. One must need secure the help of the nose especially, when the palate is sunk beneath the nose, by inflating the nostrils and letting air stream in and out of them, never wholly closing them. I repeat the warning not to force several tones upon the same resonating point, but to see that upon each tone the form necessary for succeeding tones is prepared. Neglect of this will sooner or later be paid for dearly. Notwithstanding the strong muscular contraction that the vocal organs must undergo in pronouncing the vowel A, the breath must be able to flow gently and without hindrance through its form, in order completely to fill up its resonance chambers. Again, and always, attention must be given that in singing, and in speaking as well, nothing shall be cramped or held tense except the pressure of the breath against the chest. It is of the utmost importance to maintain this position for all vowels, with the least possible perceptible modifications. How can this be done? A and E are bright vowels, must be sung with a pleasant, almost smiling position of the mouth. Oo and O, on the contrary, are dark vowels, for which the lips must be drawn into a sort of spout. Look at the position of the throat in these vowels, one, as they are usually sung and spoken, two, as I feel it in singing, as I sing them, and as they must be sung and felt. 
End of section 22. Section 23. Connection of vowels. How do I connect them with each other? If I wish to connect closely together two vowels that lie near to or far from each other, I must first establish the muscular contractions for A and introduce between the two vowels, whether they lie near together or far apart, a very well-defined Y. Then, supposing, for instance, that I want to connect A and E, I must join the A closely to the Y and the Y closely to the e, so that there is not the least resonating space between the two that is not filled during the changes in the position of the organs, however carefully this is undertaken. There must be no empty space, no useless escape of breath, between any two of the sounds. At first only two, then three and four, and then all the vowels in succession must be so practised. A ye, a ye you, a ye you you, a ye yo you you ye ya. But there must never be more than so much breath at hand as is needed to make the vowel and the tone perfect. The more closely the vowels are connected with the help of the y the less breath is emitted from the mouth unused, the more intimate is the connection of tone, and the less noticeable are the changes of the position of the organs in relation to each other. When I pass from ye ye to you, I am compelled to develop very strongly the muscular contraction of the lips, which are formed into a long projecting spout and this movement cannot be sufficiently exaggerated. With every new y, I must produce renewed muscular contractions of the vocal organs, which gradually, through continuous practice, are trained to become almost like the finest, most pliable steel, upon which the fullest reliance may be placed. From you it is best to go to you, that lies still farther forward and requires of the lips an iron firmness, then to yo, touching slightly on the e that lies above the o, then return to ye, and not till then going to ye ya, which must then feel thus e u o a e y. The y is taken under the r that the word may not slide under, for usually the thought of ah relaxes all the organs. The tongue lies flat, the larynx becomes unsteady, is without definite position, and the palate is not arched and is without firmness. In this way ah becomes the most colourless and empty vowel of the whole list. With every change of vowel, or of any other letter, there are changes in the position of the organs, since tongue, palate, and larynx must take different positions for different sounds. With A and E, the larynx stands higher, closer, the palate is sunk or in its normal position. With OO, O, and A, ah, the larynx stands low, the palate is arched. 
with a e and a the lips are drawn back with oo o u and ö they are extended far forward the auxiliary sound y connects them all with each other so that the transitions are made quite imperceptibly since it is pronounced with the tongue drawn high against the palate it prevents the base of the tongue from falling down again this should be practised very slowly that the sensations may be clearly discerned and that no vibration that gives the vowel its pitch and duration may escape attention the muscular contraction described comprises the chief functions of the vocal organs and is as necessary for singing as the breath is for the tone year in and year out every singer and pupil must practise it in daily exercises as much as possible on every tone of the vocal compass in the lowest as well as in the highest range the sharpness of the a is lost as well as the clear definition of all single vowels a should be mingled with oo r and e in the highest range the vowels are merged in each other because then the principal thing is not the vowel but the high sound even the thought of a and e the latter especially raises the pitch of the tone the explanation of this is that a and e possess sympathetic sounds above the palate that lead the breath to the resonance of the head cavities for this reason tenors often in high notes resort to the device of changing words with dark vowels to words with the bright vowel e they could attain the same end without changing the whole word by simply thinking of an e without overexertion the singer can practice the exercises given above twenty times a day in periods of ten to fifteen minutes each and will soon appreciate the advantage of the muscular strengthening they give they make the voice fresh not weary as doubtless many will suppose what then can be expected of an untrained organ nothing without daily vocal gymnastics no power of endurance in the muscles can be gained they must be so strong that a great operatic role can be repeated ten times in succession in order that the singer may become able to endure the strain of singing in opera houses in great auditoriums and make himself heard above a great orchestra without suffering for it when i for instance was learning the part of isolde i could without weariness sing the first act alone six times in succession with expression action and a full voice that was my practice with all my roles after i had rehearsed a role a thousand times in my own room i would go into the empty theatre and rehearse single scenes as well as the whole opera for hours at a time that gave me the certainty of being mistress of my resonances down to the last note and very often i felt able to begin it all over again so must it be if one wishes to accomplish anything worth while another end also is attained by the same exercise the connection not only of the vowels 
but of all letters, syllables, words, and phrases. By this exercise, the form for the breath, tone, and word, in which all the organs are adjusted to each other with perfect elasticity, is gradually established. Slowly but surely, it assures greatest endurance in all the organs concerned in speaking and singing, the inseparable connection of the palatal resonance with the resonance of the head cavities. In this way is gained perfection in the art of singing, which is based not on chance, but on knowledge, and this slow but sure way is the only way to gain it. By the above-described method, all other alphabetical sounds can be connected, and exercises can be invented to use with it, which are best adapted to correct the mistakes of pupils, at first on one, then step by step on two and three connected tones, etc. At the same time, it is necessary to learn to move the tongue freely and with the utmost quickness, by jerking it back, after pronouncing consonants, as quick as a flash, into the position in which it conducts the breath to the resonating chambers for the vowels. With all these movements is connected the power of elastically contracting and relaxing the muscles and the larynx. End of section 23 Section 24 The Lips of special importance for the tone and the word are the movements of the lips, which are so widely different in the bright and in the dark vowels. These movements cannot be too much exaggerated in practising. The same strength and elasticity to which we have to train the muscles of the throat and tongue must be imparted to the lips, which must be as of iron. Upon their cooperation, much of the life of the tone depends, and it can be used in many shadings as soon as one is able to exert their power consciously and under the control of the will. Every vowel, every word, every tone can be coloured as by magic in all sorts of ways by the well-controlled play of the lips, can, as it were, be imbued with life as the lips open or close more or less in different positions. The lips are the final cup-shaped resonators through which the tone has to pass. They can retard it or let it escape, can colour it bright or dark, and exert a ceaseless and ever-varying influence upon it long before it ceases and up to its very end. No attempt should be made to use the play of the lips until complete mastery of the absolutely even, perfect tone and of the muscular powers has been acquired. The effect must be produced as a result of power and practice, and should not be practised as an effect per se. End of section 24